Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Aaron Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast. My podcast is about immigrants, immigration, and everything in between. We're back again for another double episode week. This week, it'll be a Girl Power Week series. You'll know that if you follow me on my social media, on my Instagram, Facebook, and Immigrant's Life. I appreciate you all listeners, and I appreciate that you guys are continuing listening. If you haven't clicked the follow button, the subscribe button to however you listen to the podcast, please do. That really helps. It's really all I ask. All right, enough of the boring stuff. Let's get into the episode. I recorded this episode with an amazing individual. She's a very kind individual. You know when you meet someone and you feel like that person changed your life? This is one of those. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today our guest is an awesome woman. She's a model, a painter, and a great mommy. Everyone, please welcome Zoya Peters. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, partic- I'm glad to be on your show and it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Mm, thank you for coming on the podcast, Zoya. It's a pleasure. By the way, I didn't even ask you. I'm very rude. Is the, am I pronouncing it correctly? So yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yes. Good. I didn't hear anything wrong with it. Good. All right. That's good. Before we start, would you like to promote anything? Um, well, I'm uh, well. Aside from what you mentioned, the model and uh, a mom, I am also a nutrition coach. So what I do is I nutrition coach through my uh, webpage, uh, energzealous.com. And our zeal stands for energy, inner energy, and zeal for life. So and our zeal is E-N-E-R-Z-E-A-L-O-U-S dot com. Excellent. I will make a link when I release the episode. Okay, sounds All good. Right. So I was delving into your life a little bit through social media and your website. And I see that you're a reader. Yeah, I like reading. I find reading actually kind of challenging for me, though, because um, I have a sleep problem. It's called narcolepsy. A narcolepsy is where uh, you can just fall asleep at any given time, usually in the middle of the day. It's not very easily controlled. Like, you can't control it. It just happens. Mm. So when I'm reading, it happens the most frequently. That's when I just pass out. <laughs> So it makes it really hard to actually finish a book, but I love reading. I love books. Wow. What's, uh, what kind of books do you read usually? <clears throat> For fun, I read fantasy adventures um, that are more realist. For self-development, I read um, a lot of nutrition, hmm. a lot of science. I like... Um, metaphysical engineering kind of concept i like quantum physics oh the quantum the quantum realm really intrigues me mm. oh that's interesting i'm not smart enough for that <laughs> so I can, <laughs> I can help you with that <laughs> <laughs> so i have you on because i would like to talk to you about your your family's immigration story and you as well being a um, daughter of an immigrant so are you originally from Montreal? No, I've actually grown up in uh, Alberta. 
Mm. So my whole life was spent there. How was mm. Alberta for you? Well, when I was there and I first moved here, I found Alberta boring. Um, there was nothing there. It's very landscape, very urban. So everything's too spread out. Teenagers cannot have fun with their friends because you need a car to get anywhere. <laughs> hmm. The tra public transportation is not reliable whatsoever. Hmm. Um, but after spending a few years here, I realized that I really did enjoy Alberta for its other traits, such as how much nature is around. And I, we had the... I call it the national park, but I don't think it's actually qualified as the national park, but it was right around our, our block at the other end. I would go there all by myself. I'd just walk there. Okay. <laughs> Spend the day at the park. Just but by yourself. It was fun. Yeah, by myself. <laughs> What did you do? Just. Well, I was a curious little girl, so I would pick up rocks and look for snake skin, and <laughs> I was curious, you know? I, mm. I'm a little bit of a loner. I, I prefer being alone most of my time. Mm -hmm. I learn that way. I process information on my own. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I saw one of your videos that you said that you collect like cane or whatever else and you make mix them up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that for? When I was younger. Well, honestly, the thoughts of a child, they don't link very linearly. Um, so I think it was because the stress that was in the family that was going on that, I mean, I would never actually hear clear conversations about because we were the kids. We were told to go to another room and that was it. Go play with your, your toys. Mm -hmm. We're going to have an adult talk now. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I guess I kind of sensed it. And, um, my family on my dad's side, they, they have a history of cancer. So everyone at a certain age, at a certain point, ends up being diagnosed with cancer. Like nobody was afraid of this yet, you know? And so um, my great Oma, which is my great grandmother, mm -hmm. she was the first one to be diagnosed with cancer. I, I can't tell you which one, but she uh, died of it. And we saw her right before she actually, like a year or so, Um, maybe a few years or so before she actually passed away. We saw her right right before she actually died. Hmm. I remember seeing her and seeing how sick and weak she was. Um, I didn't understand it because, you know, again, the parents didn't talk to the kids. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, later on, it was my opa. And uh, my intention in collecting these natural organic things was to try to find a cure for cancer. Hmm. And I knew cancer was a big problem in the world i just didn't actually know that it, i didn't consciously know it actually had impact in my life it, my family life mm -hmm. wow so you're trying to cure your oma yeah yeah mm -hmm. without realizing it but it was after my oma so more like my opa okay i understand you mentioned there was a stress in your family what mm -hmm. kind of stress was it you know that lingering pressure that lingering tension in the air where nobody's really quite happy but they want to be and they try to force it it's mm -hmm. that kind of pressure that i was very sensitive to i was very receptive to mm -hmm. was it between between your mom and dad um no no not in this case but yes there was a lot of that 
since mm. I was five until I was 13. Mm, I understand. Um, so you mentioned that your grandparents are German, but your mom is Jamaican. So, yeah. Yeah, so you are a mixed child. Yes. Yes, Russian, German, Jamaican. So you said you're from Alberta. When did you move to Montreal? Uh, when I was 13. So, um, wow. How old am I again? 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. Was there a reason? Well, I had to choose. I had to choose either my mom or my dad. Oh. And my dad, he didn't know how to support my um, my mental well-being. He was going through his own problems at the time. So it was he was more materialistic. That's the only way he knew how to um, how to offer his love at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm... I, I didn't care for material whatsoever. I needed mental support. I needed psychological and emotional support. So I chose my mom. Mm. Oh, but are you guys good now? Your mom and you mean your dad and you? Yeah, I mean we were never in we were never in a bad situation. It's just that it wasn't good for me. It wasn't right for me mm. for my development. So when you moved to Montreal, you had to start school. Uh, did you go to a French school or an English school? French. I've actually been French my whole entire life, mm. except for one year. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't What's know it? any technical things in English. Really? <laughs> Who taught you French? My mom. Oh, but yeah. she's from Jamaica. Yeah, yeah, but she loves French. Uh. So she learned it as of a young age as well in her school. Mm-hmm. And she just picked it on and carried it on from there. And then transferred it to us. Oh, and at home she speaks French? Yes. Oh, wow. Until I was about like eight. Then as kids, we made her speak English. But <laughs> <laughs> it was mostly French. <laughs> really? So you didn't have an issue um, with the transition in French school? Did you find it easy? That, to... oh. however, is Sorry. different. Mm, because please. the French education in Calgary, even if you're in Francophone, was Canadian French. It was a standard French. But when you come to Quebec, the French is completely different. Completely. Hmm. I honestly, I was taken aback that I didn't understand anything for the first two years. Hmm. Yeah. It took well, me about a year and a half to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> what, how kind, um, how different? What do you mean by that? Their expressions, their accents, mm. their words that they use within sentences. Like, mm. it was just very different. Even the structure they tried to use um, and the vocabulary. <laughs> mm. Now I can tell you I have no problem with it. But before, it definitely made a difference. Mm. So did you have issues making friends when you move here? I I don't know how to answer that because even in Calgary, I wasn't necessarily with friends. Mm. I had, I was the type that everybody loved, but I wasn't, I didn't belong anywhere. Mm. So <laughs> I kind of had every click I was allowed in, but they wouldn't come into my space. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Did you mind that? Did you want it to more have friends or you didn't uh, It care? didn't bother me from time to time. Hmm. I did. Um, but 
you know, oh, it did bother me from time to time. From time to time, I would have rathered having friends that actually wanted to spend time with me and not invite me to spend time with them. I wanted to have friends that would actually come with me to do things like let's go to the restaurant, get our nails done. Um, that never happened. Still not mm. to this day. But, <laughs> you know, it's friends for every situation and I'm okay with it. Why do you think is that? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But I've been told that I'm very intense <laughs> and very wise. Mm. So... I think I'm just a little bit more too mature for my age group. It just didn't work out. <laughs> mm, yeah, I understand you. I had I had that issue to growing up that the things that I like, no one likes. Mm. So I had, I mean, I like you, like you. I had friends, but I didn't really have a friend. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? What were but, those things? What do you mean? What were those things that that usually stood up? stood you apart from the group oh just uh, like one thing i like english the english language mm -hmm. so i like watching english shows and no one likes english shows they all want to watch filipino shows oh. which i don't mind too but you know i want to do other things too you know they'll but in high school that changed i found my people so that helped a little bit But in my inner, yeah, but in my inner core, I'm like you. I'm an introvert. I, I prefer to be alone most of the time. That's yeah. great. At least you found like a group of people that you can connect with. Yeah, exactly. And then I start cutting them off. <laughs> Why is that? Well, you know, it's a group, right? And it's a different kind of uh, personalities. Till you find the ones that like this, uh, like this guy, I like. This one, I like him because he's in the group. Okay, okay. You know, yeah. like you know, like people that you meet at work. Like you, you chill with them, you hang out with them at work, but outside you'll never hang out with them. Oh yeah. I feel like that way, you know. Okay, I get it. So right now, you still don't have like a friend that hang out with uh, regularly. No, no. I mean, I have a few friends that I talk to. I, mean, I have friends for every situation, for every occasion. Some friends, like my closest friend right now, I can talk to him, but I can't hang out with him. <laughs> What do you mean? Well, he, he doesn't understand me very well. He's an extrovert. He's the complete opposite, but he's like 100% extrovert in the <laughs> sense that he doesn't understand introverts, hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So... He, um, He would say things that would be like, um, that would lower his kind of, you know, in a, in a mean way without trying to be mean and mm. toward me. Like, um, I don't understand people like they're crazy people that want to live in the nature and want to live in a forest and stuff, <laughs> things like that. And I'm like, but I just spoke to you a thing that has come kind of my environment and it's great that you like the city and all but you know, you kind of got to respect the differences here. Mm. So hanging out with him is a bit harder for me because of his, because of the contrast of our personalities. Mm -hmm. But it's, he's a great soul that is great to talk to. So um, talking to him is very good and very comforting. Mm -hmm. I understand. 
So let's go back a little bit with your uh, families. Mm. Being a product of a mixed-race couple, did your parents' different cultures often collided when they were parenting you? And can you give some examples of that? Well, my dad's second generation here, so he was very much Canadianized. Mm -hmm. And... um, Though my mom is from Jamaica and she has cultural background in it, she's also very much an Oreo, which means black on the outside, white on the inside when it comes to cultural <laughs> personalities. <laughs> so she was very, uh, not as intense as a bias would classify the black culture. Mm. Right? She's a lot more calm, still with the hues, but not so dramatic in it. Uh, so it, they did clash. Their their concepts of raising a child did clash quite a bit, <laughs> quite a bit. But um, it the contrast is actually good for my my development in self awareness. Mm-hmm. And hmm, example. Hmm. I actually cannot pinpoint an example from the top of my head at the moment Mm -hmm. because it was such a long time ago i mean they separated when i was five Mm. so they didn't actually meet to see these clashes and they kind of dealt with the differences of what we were showing growing Mm. up they dealt with those differences on their own sides and they didn't actually ever meet to see the obvious oh well they are so different because of this and that belief Mm. So, I understand. Did they meet in uh, Canada? They met in Winnipeg. Mm. Yeah. Your mom came to Winnipeg. Uh, did somebody supported her or? Yeah, uh, her father was here, oh, and okay. he adopted her with her uh, uh, with her twin. And when he got married to her stepmom, he adopted her and her twin. Um, so they came here uh, at a young age, and they grew up here. That's awesome. So, mm-hmm. socially, what sorts of what sorts of challenges did you face as a child of an immigrant? Honestly, um, I grew up. I grew up with the belief that if somebody didn't like me, they didn't like me because they didn't like me. It didn't matter what they liked me for. So, um, in on that turf. I didn't actually, I, I faced a lot of bullying and differences mm. and stuff, but I still had people that liked me. Mm. And so I'm like, eh, who cares? <laughs> I, I can't tell you if it was because of being different or mm. if it was anything. I just knew that if they didn't like me, they didn't like me. Mm. Whether they were jealous, envious, biased, racist, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I don't. It doesn't regard me. Either way, the outcome doesn't change. Mm. You said you were a, a victim of bullying. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The first bullying encounter I've had was in grade one. Mm. And in grade one, like, you know, my name is Zoya. And a lot of people, didn't, it's a strange name to Canadians. Mm. <laughs> Very I love it. It's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> it's very common in Russia. 
Mm. But it's very strange for here. And we don't get much for Russian immigrants here. So it's not like it's going to get popular. And um, so Zoya sounds a lot like soya. And mm. well, you know, soya sauce and, and um, uh, sushi and stuff. Mm. So um, there's a group of boys, young boys. They were a year younger than me, I believe. They just started calling me soya sauce. And I told them I didn't like that. And they continued. And then they kept on going. And they would follow me around school, calling me that. And I'm like, well, what the heck? Right? So I'd tell the teacher. And the teacher didn't do anything. What? So it was, it was definitely uh, a bad experience early on in my life. I was, like, in grade one. Um, but then, was it in grade one? I don't know. It seems to be earlier than grade one. I mean, earlier than it made friends anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, but then later on, I think they ended up in a different school or something. It kind of calmed down. I also got bullied later on, um, but not in a direct way like that anymore. It was more like indirectly. So I would I would stand up for my friends and because they were getting bullied mm-hmm. and then I'd get picked on or like they would ignore me like I would get outcasted a lot of times that would happen where I just get completely rejected and no reason nobody Mm. telling me a reason why nobody talking to me just you know that vibe of we don't want you here (laughs) (laughs) kind of thing and I'm like okay and I was you know I'd rather not confront things so I just go off in my little corner and just draw Mm. (laughs) And that's how you dealt with it? Yeah, yeah. I would deal with it through sketching, drawing, or walking. I mm. walked a lot. When you were in high school? All, all of my life. Hmm. When I was a kid, I would take random walks around the block all by myself. My brother didn't like going for walks. He was more of a, a gamer. Hmm. He prefers sitting in front of the TV all day. Hmm. And I couldn't stand that when I was younger. So I actually took the time to walk and we had a dog at my dad's place. So I'd always make the excuse. I'm going to take the dog for a walk. Hmm. The dog will protect me kind of thing. <laughs> and we would just go around the block or to the park and then come back. Hmm. And I'd walk to my friend's house, which in Calgary neighborhoods is quite the distance. <laughs> it was like, it's like, Okay, if we're going for reference by Montreal, it's like walking from Le Plateau, no, from Rosemont Petit Patrie to Le Mont Royal. Mm. Kind of distance. For the people that doesn't live in Montreal, how many blocks is that? If you think city blocks. Uh, if you're looking at a city, urban city like uh, Calgary, because every city has a different length of blocks, so it's hard to say, um, but. I would say I was like uh, about 10 blocks, 10 blocks away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'd walk for fun. Uh, It's walk. (laughs) Mm. What do you get from uh, walking? It calms me down. It not only calms me down, but I also think a lot during this time. Mm. And because walking also makes me happy, all these thoughts would come instead of coming out insecure. Like if I were to sit at home and try to resolve my problems, I start getting anxious and I start overthinking or my thoughts would become irrational. 
So when I go for walks, it actually clears up the the thought process and it becomes more more fluid, more more happy, better solutions, and it's more comforting. Oh no. Yeah, I love walks too. I enjoy. I love hiking, but I agree with you because your body is doing something physical, and it will get into this groove, like a meditative groove, that yeah. it opens up your mind. I believe. Yeah. What is it you do for uh, for relaxing? Relaxation, Me? meditation. Yeah. Um, in well, in the summer, I go for hikes, and I go for a long ride on uh, my bicycle. I'm talking cool. about yeah, I'm talking about like like hundred kilometers or more. Wow, that's yeah. really good. Uh, it's all right, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I love it. I enjoy it because I love physical activity. I, I enjoy it. Mm. So speaking of physical activity, I know you joined a bodybuilding competition. Oh yes, <laughs> it was fun. It was something I've been needing to do for a really long time. Hmm. Actually, the first time, the moment I I first walked into a gym, I I knew I wanted to do that. Yeah. I was fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> I started going to the gym because uh, you can start getting your own gym membership without parents being around at sixteen, mm-hmm. or back then anyway. I don't know. Maybe he was doing it illegally, but <laughs> the gym uh, gym owner let me in. You know. Mm-hmm. So I would go in after school and I would try to train. But since I didn't have money to pay a trainer, I actually didn't really know what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) That's like 90% of people in the gym. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of times I get frustrated. I just end up dancing in the middle of the hall. (laughs) (laughs) So what made you, what did you see or who did you see that gave you that? impetus of the idea that like I want to do that Mm. well I knew it existed I didn't have any role model at 14 to to know that what brought me to wanting to do that Mm. I just knew that I wanted to do that I knew it existed I I know my mom mentioned about Ernestine Shepard bit and I have a huge admiration and respect for older people in all aspects of life, their wisdom, their knowledge, their storytelling, their the depth of their conversations. And Ernestine Shepherd, she was an elder woman that actually went from being unfit, very obese, to skinny bodybuilding, and she's still doing bodybuilding to this time. So it was something that really drove my interest, I guess, um, even though, I mean, the age gap is so different, but it made me think, oh, <laughs> I guess in this case, I would have to go back to a little bit of background mm. when I was younger. I've always had that admiration. And I've always thought, even as early as in grade two, I want to be a really cool grandma. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was really weird. I, I, but I remember thinking about that, you know? Mm. And I guess it has a play on why Ernestine, being the age that she is, actually inspired me to start at the age that I was, mm. right? I didn't actually get serious into it um, until until 2018 mm-hmm. because uh, I ended up meeting my son's father mm. and I had my son. 
So that took up the rest of that time. That a huge gap, four-year mm. gap there. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was definitely worth it. Yeah, you enjoyed it. Yes, all the way. So, so you had your child. From that point to the point that you were competing, what triggered it that you said, "Hey, this is enough. I'm. I want to do that. I want to ch chase my dream." Um, because my my self uh, self esteem hit the ultimate low. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> mm. it, it really hit very low, and I realized that from what I accepted. Then um, after the separation. I had to find a way to regain that confidence. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to raise my son properly. So, oh, sorry um, for cutting you off. Your uh, the son, the dad of your son, split. Yeah. Well, no, uh, I separated. I ended up with ended it with him, but um, it was for the better, and mm. I I needed to. But my my self esteem was crashed by the time I did. Mm. So. I needed to find a, a better way to uh, regain that because if I didn't have that, I knew I wasn't going to be a good parent. Hmm. So, and bodybuilding was my way out. It was my way into a new light, <laughs> mm -hmm. better, better self-esteem, better self-awareness, better perception. Mm -hmm. Did you get a trainer? I did get a trainer. Yeah. <laughs> And how did how do you like how do you train? Like, do you go to the gym like eight hours a day, lifting weights, heavy weights? How does it work? Well, I was in a very specific category. I was training for the fitness division and bodybuilding, hmm. which means um, not only are you going to be posing your muscles, you're also going to be doing a dance routine with it. So uh, this dance routine is gymnastic filled. It's not like just any dance routine. It's not a choreography. You have do flips, twists, power moves, whole bunch of things in it to to qualify. Hmm. Um, so <laughs> my training was very different than most bodybuilding training would be. Um, and every training regime would be different for everybody's body type anyways. Um, in my particular case, I was thankful and very lucky that I work, worked at the gym at the time. Oh, <laughs> that helps. Yeah. So I was able to do, actually, uh, I averaged out a good four hours every single day for a whole wow. year. <laughs> Man, that's, that's dedication. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun, though. Yeah. I had to, after, after about like a month of four hours, I couldn't do less than that. I felt like I was doing nothing if I did less than that. <laughs> I'm sure, because you have hit that level, right? You can't go lower that than level. You got to go higher. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, so the program was mixed with uh, heavy weight, endurance, um, and a lot of posing and flexibility mm. in my program. You had to lift heavy? Yes, yeah, for sure. For sure. On the stage or when you train? When I train. Oh, uh, okay. On the stage, it's only for um, power. power um, what is it called again? Power building? Oh, no. I forgot the name. But there's only one specific category that will actually do lifting weights on stage. That's awesome. So, oh, yeah, I was going to ask you. I don't know if you did this, but I know 
some bodybuilding uh, competition, the the contestant they paint their body black. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Why? Well, we had to get we had to get the the tan for sure, um, because it's a special bodybuilding tan. It's not just any tan. You can't just go to a tanning salon and get the tan. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't count mm-hmm. because um, this tan actually helps make your muscles more defined so that in the lights you actually see the the muscle structure and not um and plus it helps the light uh reflection mm-hmm. um instead of uh you know it looking flat right even mm-hmm. after all the effort if you don't get the right tan you still look flat on stage mm-hmm. the judges aren't going to be able to see you correctly oh, so that's what okay. the tan's for this might sound dumb but does the black guys or black women had to do it like if you have darker skin <laughs> interesting question <laughs> actually that's a very common question well uh a lot of well darker than me because i would still no matter what <laughs> quite pale <laughs> but the black skin people uh mm. they don't necessarily need to mm-hmm. they would need to get gloss like glaze mm. um n- but It is actually, uh, they suggest it. Yes, they suggest that they do anyway, because it does give the right finish that it will it'll really help the muscles pop, mm. right? Even if you're dark color, they're like, you know what? It's best that you get, even if it's just one layer, gotta get it <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I had two layers, two or three layers. Mm-hmm. And people who are paler than me, like really white skin, white fair skins, they mm-hmm. had to get more layers. They had to be done like four times. <laughs> wow! Is it like a paint? Like how do they apply it? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna use a really funny analogy, like painting a car. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the with the uh, the gun, the spray oh, gun, spray paint. Yeah, oh. yeah, like that. <laughs> That's funny. All right, just let's quickly. You mentioned that you're a single mom, right? Yes, I am. What's the best part of being a single mom? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, best part, hmm. Um, you've got yourself to blame. <laughs> you know, hmm. you don't have anybody to rely on, so you have. You know, if if something doesn't work, you, something wasn't clean, something wasn't done, it's your problem, mm. you know, and you understand you. So it's easier to accept. Mm. It's easier to accept the responsibility being mm. a single parent than being co-parenting. Mm-hmm. And what's the most challenging part? Energy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, another challenging part is uh, because I- I'm a very silly parent. I like playing with him a lot. Hmm. But the more I play with him, the more he takes me, um, he doesn't take me seriously. Hmm. So when it comes to actually disciplining him, it takes a little bit longer and a little bit more harsh strictness to hmm. for him to understand that I'm actually disciplining him and take it seriously. Hmm. So it's... Uh, that that's the hard part because <laughs> it's not two people you know it's not like one person can butt in and be like you listen to your mother you know <laughs> like in the classic movies always the father wait till your father gets home and <laughs> stuff like that but no it 
I have to be all characters. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit harder for him to grasp the different personas instead of just identifying you're one persona, you're another kind of thing. Mm, yeah, great point. I like, I like that point. So have you thought of how would you educate him regarding racism and what would you tell him? I did think about that mm. a lot actually, especially 2020 with everything that's been going down mm. and all the, um, with Lloyd that passed by and stuff. Um, I got angry at the situation to be really honest. I got mm. really angry at how people were, were um, expressing their trendy support <laughs> without understanding yeah. behind what's behind it. You know, that really frustrated me because mm. for like a good two weeks until people started coming up and saying, it's not about just that. We don't want just that. It's not about just black rights. It's it's about equality. Until people started doing coming out like that, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of oh, it's black rights, Black Lives Matter, just black, 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 black. And I'm just like, what the heck? <laughs> I've done my whole like my the whole five years of my son's life. I've been raising him, making him re- realize that everybody counts. And now you're pinpointing him like putting in his face by the way you are black right (laughs) it's like uh no i don't like that i don't appreciate that i got very angry at that situation Mm -hmm. um so how i approach the situation i actually tell him look um i don't tell him i talk to him about it i let him hear our conversations so he can get his own perspective and doesn't feel like he's under the the loophole the Mm -hmm. the looking glass Mm -hmm. um I have have him listen to our conversations, talking about what we think about race, um, what we think about the situation, uh, what's that, what's this, and our opinions. Right, a lot of a lot of what happened during the Black Move- Lives Matter movement, um, they're emphasizing the the oppression of the blacks, hmm. but it wasn't only there, and we know that. I mean. Canadian history in itself has a history of being racist toward Chinese people, mm-hmm. you know, like, like seriously bad, like really mm. bad history. Yeah. But nobody talks about that. They don't say, oh, Chinese lives matter. There's only black lives. But why? You know, mm. so we went into this elaborate conversation about what we see in the media and what is true. Mm. And. Um, I let him listen into the conversation so that he gets his own, he forms his own perspective. Hmm. It's not really a conversation to talk to him about at his age, Hmm. but at least he will understand that it exists in the world and it's something to pay attention to and he can form his own mind. Hmm. Then that's all I care about. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So... Do you support the Black Lives Matter movement? I support in all lives matter. Now, not the way history says, because apparently all lives matter is KKK. <laughs> I don't support that, you know, <laughs> but I support in the equality of people. And mm. um, that, that's all that matters to me. 
Mm-hmm. There's a lot of emphasis on on race, but to me, race doesn't matter. It, it's irrelevant. What matters is culture, mm-hmm. and if it's for you or not for you. I mean, everybody's entitled to like what they like, and that's what matters. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on it? Black Lives Matter? Mm. Well, I'm the pre- whole entire um, situation. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, how, how it is usually is people will jump on the bandwagon. And mm-hmm. I'm, most of my friends are black. And like you, I don't care about that. I, I see a person. I don't see the color. I, I mean, I recognize that, yeah, he is black or he is white. But for me, I don't really care about the color. I care about the, the person, the act of the person, right? But I didn't like that, you know, how media is. They will focus, they will pinpoint on that and they'll just try to make money off of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm half, half with, I don't know if you know the, the NBA, how they NBA? did NBA, the basketball league. Yeah, yeah. Like how they put the Black Lives Matter on the court. Mm-hmm. Like, cool, but what are you doing? You know? Yeah, exactly. Because I don't know if a lot of people doesn't know when the NBA got an, had a problem with China because one of their executive made a comment about China uh, oppressing Hong Kong. One of the executives says, "I'm against China." LeBron James didn't say anything about that. Mm-hmm. He didn't comment about that. He just be quiet because he knows if he opens his mouth, he's going to lose that business in China. Mm-hmm. And that bothered me a lot. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's either on your, on this side or on the other side. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of talk on the Red Table Talk, for instance. I love this show. They bring in some very interesting perspective. But I find there's a huge emphasis on race. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not for that. Mm. You know? I mean, the Red Table Talk. We're talking about rich black people here, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> is there really a problem? <laughs> so that kind of, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not for the whole emphasis. I just think people have their differences and they have their issues and that's just it, you know? Mm, yeah, I understand. Uh, actually, I was talking to one of my friends who's Haitian that apparently was watching TV with his wife and his wife apparently said like, is it me or there are more black people now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there <laughs> definitely are. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's not true, right? They there's always been black people. It's just now they are like they're the one who brings the business, unfortunately. You know, and in the yeah. future, in a few months or years, you know what's going to happen. Everything's going to forget about it and everybody's just going to move on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what happens with trends, you know? Mm. You always see a spike of something. I mean, even like 2010, I believe it was. There's a spike in the LGBT community. Mm. Like all of a sudden, everybody was like pro LGBT, mm-hmm. and it disappeared. It disappeared. <laughs> Did it actually change anything? Uh, well, now you have a little more f- festivals here and there, but did it actually change anything? Not really. You know, mm. like 
I guess people see it more often and maybe a few generations down the line it actually will be a difference because people are seeing it mm-hmm. and it's becoming more normal. But in the short term, it hasn't actually done much. Mm-hmm. It's just, yay, we are going toward equality and that's all we can do, I guess. Mm. Yeah. So on that point, do you have a suggestion on how we could build a better future together as a society? Well, well, honestly, the way we're going, I mean, if we can speed it up a bit in the sense that, because it's always changed. Every decade is better than the last. Mm. I mean, we're in 2020 and we're getting like, now we're getting technology that the maximum. I mean, we have Tesla going on. I, I love Elon Musk's idea, to be really honest. It was intelligent. Mm. Um, but definitely, it's we always get better. We always do. And I have a feeling that we tend to forget that. We feel like, oh, we're in such a bad time. Are we really? Because we're still better that off than mm. we were 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like, okay, well, it might be tough now, but it was it's better than 10 years ago, it's better mm-hmm. than 20 years ago, it's better. Mm-hmm. So even with the whole equality and humanity, we see it as getting worse. But it's only because there are eyes everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's always been bad. And if you go lower and lower and lower down the timeline, lower meaning like earlier, <laughs> it definitely, you see that it's actually been worse and worse and worse. I mean, if you look at history, history mm. is full of gruesome war, and now it's normal. Mm-hmm. And now it's not the case anymore. So it's it's getting better. It's just a matter of constant effort and time, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's progress. Yeah. And it's hard to judge when you're in a well. You cannot see the whole light. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, unfortunately, like. People that says, oh, you know, it's worse now compared to, I don't know, like 100 years ago. Oh, yeah. Are you sure? (laughs) Because there's a lot of poverty back then. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Back then, people were less condensed as well. There was less communication. They didn't have, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the exact date when a computer came out, but Hmm. our cell phones, forget that. You had to wait till you get home to call, (laughs) right? So... (laughs) Now we can pinpoint criminal criminal activity so quickly, so easily. Mm, I mean, exactly. even when I was younger, I used to get lost a lot. I mean, <laughs> fault of wandering away, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my my dad would call. The, my dad actually ended up calling the cops on me mm. once because that one time the cops showed up and they asked how long I was gone for. And they said they're out. It was just a few hours or half an hour or something like that. He said to them, and they answered to him, "You have to wait seventy-two hours before we can set out an Amber Alert." Mm-hmm. That was only about thirteen years ago. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, I'm sure you got it too. The the Amber Alert comes immediately, like within mm-hmm. a a few hours within the day. Mm-hmm. It's improved so quickly and it's just going to keep on getting better you know it looks like we're in a bad place but our bad place is much better than it was back then Mm -hmm. so i completely agree 
completely agree. So you mentioned earlier cars. Yeah. <laughs> you lo- I know you love cars. Yeah, it's one of my really big passions. Mm. If I if I had uh, if it wasn't for being bad a mechanic, I'm like a really terrible mechanic. What do you I mean? would still be in, in the industry. Well, I actually took a, a diploma certification in mechanics. Okay. mechanics. Hmm. What made you decide to do mechanics? Um, uh, I was looking over all the professional diplomas I can take because I needed to find something that can bring in revenue after giving birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked over all the professions I could take and you know, hairdressing, aesthetics, mechanics, uh, gardening, bakery, none of them interested me except for mechanics. All of them, I was like, eh, yuck, I'm going to get bored from it. You know, like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to get bored and I wasn't willing to take the time to go through that class. Mm -hmm. But when it came to cars, I already had a fascination for cars. And I remember when I was younger, Throughout the years, whenever we'd be with my dad, he would go for new cars at the dealership. Uh, We'd go for test drives with him. (laughs) I was terrified, but he would have me try to learn how to drive his car. (laughs) Sorry, truck, truck. (laughs) You know, like I was terrified. And I was like 10, when he, nine, I started learning how to drive the car. Yeah, yeah, he was very old school. So he like, you know what, it's okay. My parents taught me how to drive a car before I got my license going. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was it was something else, you know. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. But a few times he brought me to the garage because he had to get his car fixed. Mm-hmm. And I heard those air guns and I smelled the oil in the garage, and I'm like, wow super cool i want to be in this ambiance you know like i totally zoned with it hmm. it's the weirdest thing to say because people are like what the oil attract your attention i'm like yeah <laughs> i know it's weird but yeah <laughs> that's what i do too i grew up in a garage oh yeah <laughs> that's why I, if, and when i smell it i'm like yeah that's home right <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny so we're getting there. We're getting close. But I want to ask you a bit, a few questions. You had some struggles in your life. Where do you find strength in difficult times? Where? Hmm. Um, it's been such a long time that I've been going through these patterns. I'm, I don't consciously pay attention to them anymore. But when I go through a hard time, actually, I, I did mention this to my mom before. Because we often fall into a time where where it's financially rough. Hmm. And before, it would affect me a lot. Like when I was really young, it would affect me. And I'd be like, well, what are we going to do? I want to help out my family. How am I going to help? But I can't because I'm so young. I'm not allowed to. And it was a huge struggle for me. Hmm. Now, whenever we hit a financial rough, um, we're like, eh, we're back at it again. You know, you just got to push through. (laughs) Tough it out. Because <laughs> no matter what, we always we always get the upper hand. I mean, we're always helped out somehow. Mm. Um, you can call it God. You can call it the universe. You can call it karma uh, or just plain effort and grit. Mm. Whatever it is, I mean, we're always good in the end. And we've gone through it. 
probably as old as I am, you know, <laughs> of ups and downs, the financial struggle. And mm. Just kind of get used to it. You're like, oh, well, we're going through that tough time again. Okay. Back to the drawing board. <laughs> wow. How about you personally? What have been your biggest challenge? Oh, my personal biggest challenge is probably self-confidence. Mm, not really. Uh, self-esteem and self-confidence, I've learned that are actually very completely different things. Mm -hmm. Because I have high self-esteem now. I learned that last year. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> What made you learn that? Oh, I was listening to a podcast and the guy mentioned self-esteem and self-confidence are different. I said, are they? And then he said, <laughs> yeah, it's different. So what I what I tell people now is my confidence is 100. I'm Kobe Bryant confident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But my self-esteem, that's shaky. Mm. <laughs> How about you? I would say my self-esteem is like really high, mm. but my self-confidence is, uh, you know, give it a bit. It depends <laughs> on the situation. Seriously. Like even going through the, oh man, going through the competition was probably one of the markers of telling, letting me realize how much my confidence is low. Mm. People kept, my trainer kept on told, telling me, don't worry, calm down, Just believe in yourself. And me, I was there like, but what if, what if this, what if that? I don't understand. You know, like I was freaking out all the time. And hmm. then um, even when I'm lifting weights, I used to be able to lift. Okay, yeah, I count them by plates. So give me a second while I calculate. Oh, good. 90 plus 45. <laughs> 90 plus 45. I don't remember what that is. 135. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 90, Wait, 90 90, plus 45, 135. Okay. Yes. 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 <laughs> 135. <laughs> okay. Yes. When I was lifting 135, I lose muscle very quickly. Hmm. And I, I was like freaking out. I'm like, but my competition is in a four months. What am I doing? Why am I weaker today? You know, like, <laughs> I freak out like that. I, I lose my confidence and I lose my, my, my grit. And I start pushing myself farther. You know, hmm. I, I push harder, I push harder. But that actually led me to being more exhausted. So yeah, my self-confidence, <laughs> believing in myself and believing in my, my decisions um, has been low. But my self-esteem and feeling like I am worthy and I am a good person or I am of value of something or I'm talented or beautiful, those my self-esteem is high. Just my self-confidence is kind of like, well, I don't know, give me a situation. <laughs> Can I do it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I love that we're complete opposite because I know I can do it. <laughs> is, but it, is it going to be good enough? That's a question. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, speaking of that, can you give a good basic uh, description of between self-esteem and self-confidence just for the listeners? Mm, well, I would say that self-esteem is what you are, the I am. And the self-confidence would be 
what you can do, the I will. Hmm. I guess that would be the most basic ex- example I can give. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So is there anything you, you would like to add that has not been asked or talked about? Well, uh, not not that I know of, um, but I would like to know you, for <laughs> instance. What's up? <laughs> so about your uh, physical fitness, where do you take it? And do you include your family in it? Do I include? I try to, but my wife, I try. I but with my with my kids, yes, I I push them. I bring them when I go hiking. I walk a lot with them in the summer. Unfortunately, I'm not a winter person, mm, so yeah. it's it's harder. However, I always try to push them go outside. Go, I don't know, go play in the snow. You know, you do it to your kid. Yeah, yeah. He actually was very inspired by my competition, mm. so it wasn't too hard. But he was—he's a daredevil. Mm. He's only five, and he tries to do crazy things. And he didn't—he doesn't know how to ride a bicycle, mm-hmm. but he sort of knows how to scooter. So what he does is he would like push off the scooter, and he's like, "Look, I'm going really fast," and he starts trying to jump off of things. And I'm like, "Are you joking? Whoa, <laughs> chill, you know." Like, <laughs> Calm down. You know, I'm the X Games here. <laughs> yeah. That's He's pretty wild. So when he tried to join me in the gym, he would right away go for the five, 10 pounds. And I'm like, whoa, child, you're going to break your back. Like, you're mm-hmm. not used to this. Put it down. <laughs> yeah, they don't know. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They don't know. And he wants to do these extreme things, but mm-hmm. he doesn't want to do the little things to get there, right? Mm-hmm. It's really tough to get him to understand. So then most of the time, we just kick him out, <laughs> mm-hmm. go away, you know, because you don't know how to be safe. So mm-hmm. come back when you understand more. <laughs> That's funny. So do you still go to the gym regularly? Well, as of 2020, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Makes sense. Everything's closed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the moment they're open, I tell you, I'm going to be so happy. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> but do you do exercise at home? Since um, I have a really small place, I mean, we're three occupying here on a single floor. So I actually really don't have the space for it. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to find the motivation. And I know that sounds like an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I know it does. But... Uh, in my case, it's valid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about valid, but I'm going to let it slide. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So last remark or a parting message for the listeners. All right. Um, believe in yourself and take everything with a grain of salt. Mm, wise word from a wise woman. Again, Zoya, thank you for doing the podcast. I really appreciate it. And thank you very much, Aaron, for having me here. Thank you. Have a good evening. You as well. Bye. Bye. Again, Zoya, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. That's the first half of our Girl Power series. I hope you like that. I hope you enjoyed Zoya's stories. For next week, it's going to be Anik Bisant. It was another amazing episode, so stay tuned for that episode this Thursday. Again, this is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. See you guys later.